And good morning, everybody. Good to see you on this wonderful summer day. Let me say hello to our Midlothian campus. Good to have you joining us, all of you online. And I I do need to say a special hello. My granddaughter, Rose, was not feeling well this morning when she woke up. So uh, she's watching Papa's Church this morning. So, hey, Rose, I hope you get to feeling better. So, yeah, I want to give a big hug and kiss right now, but uh, uh, hopefully we'll see her soon. But uh, good to see everybody today, all the opportunity to gather, to worship, to be with our Lord. And uh, boy, I, I tell you, as wonderful it is to gather, we've got a little sadness today. We've got a, a very special family member of our church that is leaving, Sam and Tay Galloway. Would you guys stand up? And uh, they are moving to Colorado. And uh, you might remember that I introduced uh, Sam uh, last year. Uh, Sam, 30 years ago, was the first black member of the Heights Baptist Church. And uh, Sam and Tay have both been, every single day of that 30 years, a wonderful part of this church family. So grateful for them. Uh, You didn't ask my opinion on this move. Uh, If you're looking for an opinion, I vote no. I I vote that you do. All their family is out there and they're getting to join them. And I'm I'm, I'm excited for that aspect for it, but sure hate to lose y'all and what you mean to, to Karen and I and to so many in our church family. but uh, So we'll just move on from that. I won't, I'm not going to cry about this, Sam. I'll talk to you later about what I think about this. But anyway, we are uh, today... Oh, last week we took up a special offering for Mission Dignity, and I'd love to tell you what ended up happening with that, but that'll be next week. Because uh, the way electronic giving works, you know, you, you, you went in, you gave that last week, well, then it has to filter all the way through the system. It'll actually be tomorrow when we end up counting uh, that, but uh, excited about that opportunity. I know you, and I know we blessed greatly there. Mission Dignity, I encourage you to still check it out if that's new to you, is a ministry that serves and cares for elderly that are impoverished, living below the poverty line, that served in ministry. And uh, it's a tremendous ministry. We took up an offering for them last week. I know a lot of us actually are familiar with it and give individually. But next week, we'll talk about what we did uh, with that offering. So today, we are for the last time, well, not like for the last time ever, but in the sense of the series, we're going to, last time we're saying, turn to First John. We are uh, wrapping up this series today after three months in this very short letter, only five chapters long. Uh, I hope like me, you're a little, it's like binge watching, uh, you know, something on, on Netflix and you go through eight seasons in three weeks and then you're kind of sad because these characters aren't a part of your life anymore. I feel that way with John today. Of course, he is still a part of our life, right? We can, we can turn and read First John or the Gospel of John tomorrow. But man, I have, I have grown to love and appreciate John so much more as we've gotten to know a little bit of him as, we, as he communicates through this letter. You know, as I think of where John takes us today, you know, I'm reminded of a very practical piece of wisdom that Jesus gives us that we almost universally ignore. I mean, we don't even pretend that Jesus said it. He, he, he says this to us in Matthew chapter 6, which of you, by being anxious 
can add a single hour to his lifespan? The answer is no one. (laughs) And yet we worry anyway, don't we? Do you realize that this is a unique thing we do as humans? It has never worked, ever, not once, for anybody, anywhere, at any time. Worrying has never made anything better. And yet we do it anyway. And, And it's not just that it doesn't profit us to worry. It actually costs us. Psalm 37 says, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. When you and I operate from anxiety, worry, stress, when we're kind of approaching this issue from that place, we are much more likely to handle that with sin. So so let's just do the math on this. It never profits me. It always costs me, but I worry anyway. I, I mean, are we just that dumb? I'd like to think not. I'd like not to think that was what's going on, but what happened is, is life pops up, problems pop up, and now I've got, I've got this focus, I've got all this energy, I've got to put it somewhere, and guess what's first in line? Worry. Very natural, happens to 100% of us in every problematic situation. Worry pops up, and not really thinking through that, we just put our focus and our energy on worry. But but what if? That's a great question, isn't it? What if? Instead of imagining the unwanted, imagining the, the unknown, imagining the worst, what if we were to work through the unknown from the known? What if we were just to slide worry aside and put our focus on what we do know instead of letting the unknown guide us and direct us in that. Well, John today is going to help us. He's going to help us think again, remember again about what we know, what we know as we handle this week's challenges and, and problems. And well, let's remember who John is. This is a review on the, on the last message of stuff we looked at at the first message three months ago. Because you know, have, you, have, have you ever had anybody say, hey, listen, don't worry and you think, well, that's easy for you to say, right? I mean, there's just some people who say, don't worry. And you're like, really? Have you ever dealt with what I'm going through? But let's think about who's saying, don't worry. Who is John? Well, he's, he's in exile. That's a, kind of like a form of imprisonment. He does not have freedom. He is in exile. He's been in prison multiple times. He's been tortured multiple times. Tortured. And when you look at what happened to him, what was done to him in that day and time with the medical help that would have been available, I am confident that John is living every single day of his life in incredible pain, incredible physical pain. You ever hurt? It kind of affects your whole outlook on life, doesn't it? It affects your response to people when there's there's something always hurting there. And I would imagine most of his body hurt every single day. His friends, at least as far as the other apostles, they've all been dead now for decades. And I don't mean dead like they got old and passed away. They were murdered. Every one of them died a very violent death. So think about what's been in his past, what he's been through, what he's feeling right now physically. And then there's just his concern for the church. Do you have a concern 
for the church. For John, that was his passion, that was his priority, and not because he was an apostle, very simply because he was a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. And that made the body of Christ his passion and his priority. And he's watching apathetic believers, heretical ideas diminish the church. He's watching the the, the love for Christ and the love for his people wane. And he's, I'm not going to say worried, we'll use a better word, concerned. (laughs) He's concerned about the church, the state of the church. Where's it going? Where's it going to end up? And this is the guy who says, hey, listen, before we start imagining how bad it could be, before we start letting the pain shape everything we do and everything we look at, let's think about what we know. Let's operate from what we know. And I I appreciate that from John. I appreciate that from me today. I I, I would imagine some of us in here, we, we certainly are anxious Worried, we'll use the better word, concerned about the state of the church. I tell you a big question I'm asking myself. I'm asking our staff. Are we helping people really stand in the culture and the world that is being shaped around us? Are we prepared for what is coming to really live for Christ? And, you know, I can start imagining what's the state of our church, of all churches. What's going to happen in America. And so I appreciate John saying, hey, listen, that's an important question. But before you get too far down the road imagining the worst, let's think about what we know. You ready to look at what we know? Let, let's look at what we know. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're looking at the last passage, verse 13, uh, to the end. Let me begin reading. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that You may know, you may know that you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know, I love this line, that he will give us whatever we ask for. I bet right this very second that's raising some questions. Well, now, wait a minute. I... Lord, I've asked for a few things. (laughs) I haven't seen them yet. Verse, Verse 16. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we're children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. And boy, this last line, this, this may be one of the best last lines in any book of the Bible. And that, I don't know that it's appropriate for, for me to say that. <laughs> I mean, every last line of a book in the Bible is good, but boy, this is powerful. Dear children, 
Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Your translation probably says, stay away from idols. What's an idol? It's something that is taking God's place in my heart. You know, as you, it's particularly in in John, every single line is, is worthy of our focus for 20, 25, 30 minutes. Every single line can be a sermon. And not once in this series have I just looked at one line. Usually we're taking on five verses, 12 verses, 15 verses. And so when I read a passage like that and then I start to dive into the explanation, I'm usually leaving some things out. I'm leaving out a key word. I'm leaving out a, out a phrase. And, and today's no different. I am not going to talk about verses 16 to 17. And verses 16 to 17 may actually qualify as like top five most difficult passages to interpret in the New Testament. And so under the name of looking at another part of this passage, I'm not taking that on. It just scares me to death. I I just don't want to do that. And and, and then the last verse. You know, I actually thought maybe I need to do one more in this series. Maybe I just need to add one more sermon. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. Every one of us needs to think much. We need to think much about what is in competition with God in our hearts. But we're not going to look at that today. I hope you will this week, but we won't here. We're going to look at these five things that we know. You know, I want to be real careful about what today's message is not. It's not five ways to always be happy. It's not not five ways to solve all the problems in your life. Five ways to never be concerned about anything happening tomorrow. That, That life doesn't exist. That's not real. Anybody telling you that is lying to you. We're not talking about removing problems. We're talking about how we walk through them. And what John is giving us through these I know statements is a perspective so that we can choose to work through this from a position of strength, from a position of hope, from a position of peace. Kind of get ourselves in the right place to respond, to act, to decide, to work through. So what are these things that we know? I love this first one. I know I have eternal life. I know I have, what, listen, whatever's going on, whatever's going to happen this week, I know this, I got, I got eternal life. I love this verse. I said this last week. I've said it lots of times. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. There's certainly others, but I just love the, the clarity, the crispness, and crisp, crispness. I'm going to have to work on that one. Uh, of, of this in one short sentence. This verse makes it so clear that my getting saved, now watch this, and staying saved. Not just getting saved, but staying saved is not dependent upon me. How do I know? Because I would never be able to say, I know. I'm going to tell you something. I love the Lord. I I love the Lord. I pray every day. Every single day. Not every day, Pastor. No, no, I... I I pray every single day. I read my Bible every single day. I try to care about the Lord and what he wants for this day every single day. I I think I'm doing I think I'm doing pretty good. But I only tell you that to say I fail. I start the day caring much about how God 
wants this day to be. And boy, it's, I, I impress myself with how quickly that can unravel, and I don't care at all what the Lord thinks. I fail, I'm inconsistent. So if I am a part of the equation of me getting saved or staying saved, then I will never be able to say, I know. You know what I think I could say? I'm pretty sure. Right? Imagine some of you say, you know, think about how you lived this last week, this, that how you're doing so far this. I, you know, I'm pretty sure. I, I hope. I, you know, I believe. I think. I think I'm pretty good shape here. But how would I ever get to the place where I could say, I know? Well, I know how you get to that place. When I realize that Randy's not a part of the equation. It's an entirely God equation. And because it's an entirely a God equation, I can say, not in arrogance, no, in great humility and in hope and in faith, I know Because it's entirely dependent upon God to get me saved and to keep me saved. One of the great reasons. A lot of people won't use this verse when we're talking about eternal security. There it is. You don't keep yourself saved. God does that. And because of it, I can know. That's my belief. And that's that's my role in this. I, I believe. I receive that gift. Now, we could unwrap belief a little bit. Belief is not just an epiphany that Jesus is God. Belief is not me just saying, Jesus is God. Yeah, sure, I believe that. Why not? No, if, if I'm saying, I believe Jesus is God, that means, well, it means I believe he's God. What do you think God is? I, if, if I believe Jesus is God and I'm saying this God is in my life, then he is the entirety of my priority and my passion and my agenda. Today is not my day, it's God's day. Today's purposes are not my purposes, they're God's purposes. That, that's it, living for him, obeying him. Well, there's a whole lot in saying I believe Jesus is God. Pretty sure that's meant to be a life-changing belief. But boy, when you believe, I know. I know. You know what? You can, you can have something bad happen this week. Maybe you've had something bad happen this week. But no matter how bad it is, a bad moment, the worst awful moment you can imagine, cannot change my forever. A bad moment cannot change my eternity. Now that doesn't change the fact I now need to work through and deal with this bad moment. But man, what hope, what peace to be able to say, hey, listen, this is for a moment. Eternity's covered. I know where I'm going. And not only do I know where I'm going, I got help to get there. I, I got help all along the way. Man, I can pray. I love how John presents the confidence that we have coming to God to pray. You know, verses like these just confuse me and frustrate me with, with, with myself and with each other when sometimes we approach God with the whole, you know, Lord, I know, I know there's people who have it worse than me, but it, God never said to come and talk to him if you rank in the top ten of worst problems. What, what, why, why do you, that's noise pollution. 
Why are you prefacing any prayer request with, I know I don't have it as bad as, well, Lord, I know you're busy. What? He's the first original, incredible, perfect multitasker. He can handle it. Got a lot on the agenda today, but slide on in here. I can get you. What you think you're accomplishing, prefacing prayer or prayer request with, I know God's doing a lot. I know others have it worse than me. It's just noise pollution. Stop it. Stop the dribble out. Man, what what does John say? Man, I can come with confidence. I can come with silence. I'm a child of God. I've been bought by the blood of Christ, cleansed by the blood of Christ, and I enter the room with the Lord. He's excited I'm there. He joys in my voice. He joys in my request. You know what? I can talk to God about anything and everything as I understand it. And I want him to answer me as he understands it. How about this, uh, this whole thing here, and you get whatever you want? <laughs> when did that happen? Did, did I miss? Did we sign up for that? Because I, Lord, I feel like I've offered some things up, and I didn't just get what I wanted. You know, folks, think about it. What, what, a, what, a, what a blessing to be able to pray. What a blessing God says. Now, before you, listen, let me tell you what, right now, just go on back out and rethink what you're asking. No, he doesn't say that. I I get to give it to him as I'm feeling it and as I understand it. But you realize when you and I ask for something, God, would you give me this? Would you change this? Would you fix this? Would you heal? Would you remove? Would you guide? Would you help me? When we're asking God for something, we never have asked that with a perfect understanding of what happened. And, and what's brought us to this moment. We don't ask with a perfect understanding. You don't even have a perfect understanding of the moment you're in right now. And we certainly don't have a perfect understanding of tomorrow and the future and, and what it holds. But you know who does? God. He has a perfect understanding of, of all of that. You know, have you ever got something you, you worked for, wanted? You know, you made it happen. And boy, all of a sudden, three months later, five years later, boy, I sure wish I hadn't gotten that. I sure, I, wish, I sure wish I didn't want that because that ended up really not being a good thing in my life. That really introduced some real problems into my life. Back there, I thought I really wanted it, but boy, now that's not, that's not a good thing. And you know what? You and I could get to heaven and, and, and we're going to, I believe in heaven, all the dots are instantly, immediately connected. Everything just comes together instantly. And we would literally go to God and say, you know, I asked you for that and you gave it to me. Did you, giving, did you give that to me knowing what was going to happen? Because that's not very nice. How could you do that knowing what you know? You know what? You want God to answer you knowing what he knows. Can I say that again? You want God to answer you knowing what he knows. Do you know when you speak, God's answer is always yes? You know, you've you've probably heard preachers, somebody say, you know, when God answers prayer, there's three answers. There's yes, no, and, and wait. Oh, yes, that God absolutely sometimes says no. He says wait. But isn't it all yes? He's your loving father. He only has what is good for you. You have put together something and you're laying that before the Lord and God's answer is, I got it. 
I got this, and I'm going to move and work in your life in, in the way that is best, in a way that is yes. Which is why, because there is a modifier here when it says you get whatever you want, according to God's will. What, what's that mean? According to, well, you know, like Jesus prayed. Garden of Gethsemane. Tomorrow's the cross. Jesus is wholly devoted, committed to going to that cross. But he has this very human moment. And he says, ah, Father, if there's another way than this whole cross thing, I'm really open to discussing that right now. I'm, I'm really open. I, lo- I love how the New Testament so clearly and profoundly shows us that Jesus is all God and all human. Boy, in that moment, he says, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. But I want your will more than I want my will. Because I realize that what I'm uttering is imperfect knowledge of how I'm feeling at this moment right now. And and your will is going to be right and good and perfect. And that's what I want. That's what you and I have. Man, I know where I'm going. I, I know the help that I have to get there. And I know what to do. I know what to do. I have knowledge. You know, folks, I gosh, it grieves me sometimes that we can look at this as just a book of rules, things to keep us from having real fun in this life, because God's obviously against fun. God doesn't want us to enjoy ourselves. Like, you know, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You know, do you ever all the decisions we have to make, all the responses we have to do, all the ways we have to live in this world. Are you grateful for something that clarifies? You know, something that that helps me get through. You see, as a follower of Christ, I got all these things I need to do this week, and God's Word makes it very clear to me, well, as you go out into that world and live for me, you can't lie. You can't respond in hate and anger. You can't be greedy. You can't be lustful. You can't be immoral. I I can't do something that's not going to honor and exalt Him. Boy, do you realize how many things that's clearing out of the way that I have to work through? Do you realize the clarity that God's Word brings to how we work through something? You know, folks, listen, we bring a lot of pain and a lot of stress into our lives because we don't take things off the table that aren't supposed to be on the table. Those aren't options for me. Thank you, God, for clearing all that out of the way. That makes it just a little bit easier to know what to do next and how I respond to this situation. So we got, man, God's word gives me knowledge. Everything in here, everything in here will guide you in every decision you have to make. And you say, well, not every decision. I mean, we're, we're, okay, pastor, where's the verse? Samsung or Apple? You, you know what? This, this book, its commands and its principles will guide you in everything you need to do. And if there's not something specifically spoken to, do whatever you want and have fun. Live according to this book, and on anything it doesn't speak to, do what you want and have fun. Just live according to this. What, what clarity, what knowledge God gives us and how to work through a bazillion different issues that we're going to live with in this life. So I know where I'm going. I know the help I have to get there. I know what to do, and I know where I'm from. You know, another way I could have written that is, I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. What do we learn here? I'm a child of God. I have his love. I have his acceptance. And when I enter the room, when I enter the decision, when I enter the problem, when I enter the conversation, I I enter there from God and I enter there with God. What What a great blessing. 
Now, of course, that blessing is a little bit of responsibility to it also, right? Because if I'm there from God and with God, I probably should act like it. I should probably act with the knowledge. We do some horrible things to ourselves. And we do some horrible things to others because we act like we're alone and unloved and unaccepted. And for the person in Christ, none of that is true. You are loved, you are accepted, and you're not alone. Anything you go into, anywhere you go, you go with the fellowship of the entire Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We are in fellowship with them. And, and, and lastly, I, I know I have the truth. I have the truth. Now, what's, what's the difference between truth and knowledge? Or what's the difference between number three and number five? Okay, in number three, what I said a moment ago, you know, I know what to do. Boy, we're down here in the weeds of life. I've got, I've got to navigate my way through this day, through these problems, through these issues, through these relationships. I've got to navigate. I'm down here in the weeds of life. And God's word is going to tell me, turn right, turn left, don't go there, go straight. Whoa, pause just for a moment. Now go. God's word is going to guide me through the weeds of life. But you know what else God's word does? It also shows me, let's get out of the weeds. Let's come up here to 30,000 feet and let's look at the big, big questions of life. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? You know, again, can I, again, we do some awful things to ourselves and we do some awful things to others trying to find answers to those questions, trying to find peace, resolution with why I'm here, with who I am, my identity. And we're running around wondering, why are these people running around acting like this? They're trying to figure out who they are, where they're from, and where they're going. You and I have been rescued from that. And you haven't been rescued because you were oh so good. You weren't rescued because you had the spiritual knowledge and insight to choose the right God. You were rescued because of his grace and his kindness and his goodness. I know where I came from. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. Am I going to have problems and issues in this world? I sure am. And I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to look at them from where I came from, where I'm going, and who I am. God gave me that opportunity. You know, when you start thinking about what what you know, I I think a whole lot of other verses in the Bible start to make sense. One of my my favorites that you just think, how in the world, Lord? Psalm 112, verse 7 says, he is not afraid of bad news. Is such a life possible? Think of the reports you waited on. Think of the times you've been at work and people are getting laid off and you're wondering, waiting on a decision, waiting on how somebody else is going to respond. Then you wait, you're waiting on the call. Apparently, there is a life possible where you're not afraid of that. It, the, the passage doesn't say, hey, here's a life where there's never bad news. This does not remove from the table bad news. It says there's a potential to not be afraid of that bad news. The, the person whose heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. What, what am I trusting in? 
What, what am I trusting in? That I am, this bad news is not shaping my mood. It's not shaping my attitude. It's not shaping how I respond. Because we don't treat people well when we're waiting on news, especially if we anticipate it being bad, right? That affects. You hear it in the tone of our voice. Hear it, you hear it everywhere. See it everywhere. It's not that the bad news is not coming. It's that I know. No matter how bad it is, it doesn't change my forever. I know I have helped to deal with whatever that news will bring. I'm going to know what to do in the midst of working through that bad news. I know I'm not going to be alone. I'm a child of God. I know the truth. There are things bigger than this bad news. There, there are bigger things going on in the world than this bad news and I know where I fit in those bad things boy God has given us some incredible things to know hasn't he so let's know it and what what does that mean okay so the problem comes the thing falls apart and and now you're wondering how's this going to turn out and worry rushes in anxiety rushes in you're not going to keep that from happening you can't keep yourself from experiencing an emotion you can't keep yourself from a, a response but when it comes flooding in you choose whether you're going to camp out with the worry and the anxiety you choose whether you're going to I'm going to now sit here and I'm going to start to imagine the worst you choose whether you stop and say ugh I don't like this. I really think I'm not going to like this. But I, I know where I'm going. I know the help I have to work through this. I'm going to know what to do. Not right this second, but I'm going to go to God's word, and I am going to know what to do, and I'm never going to be alone. I'm never going to be unloved. I'm never going to be unaccepted. I'm in the fellowship of the triune God, and I know the truth. This bad news, this moment is not, this is not the truth that shapes all of life. It's not the truth that shapes me. You know, when you and I look out in the world and we get frustrated with how people are living, where they're trying to find happiness and meaning and their identity, and we think, oh, what a bunch of fools, what a bunch of idiots. What if it was so clear by the way we live that what we know that people were drawn to us to figure this truth out. Instead of letting the news and TikTok and Instagram and Twitter shape their lives. What if we displayed what it looks like to know when the bad news comes? What if... Let's pray. Father, I don't want bad things to happen to me. But should they? I pray that my life would be such a testament to your faithfulness, your goodness. My life would be a testament that no circumstance, no relationship, no evil done to me, around me is going to shape where I'm going or who I am, why I'm here. 
You and you alone give me that opportunity, God. And for that, I worship you. For that, I thank you. May I be a good and faithful steward. May we, may we be good and faithful stewards of what we know. Lord, I, w- I, would, I would pray for every one of us a good and wonderful week. But Lord, if there's any bad news, if there's anything that's not pleasant, that makes us worry, that makes us anxious, may we stop and may we see the opportunity. Oh, whoa, 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 right here. Here's where I live the faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.